Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 167. I hope you guys had a good week and you could hope it, hope you could see and hear me fine. <laughs> so, uh, I hope, like I said, uh, a couple things as always, if you're a first time watching the live show, all you got to know is you start the question with the question mark first, even if it's a comment. So that way I know it's for me, uh, or it's a subject you want to talk about or a question you have. The other thing is if you're watching the rebroadcast of this, I take the time to timestamp everything down below. So that at least you can see the highlights of the questions and subjects we talked about. If you just want to go right to them. Also, if you want to stream this or watch this or download this, I don't think you watch it. You download it as a podcast. It's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, stuff like that. So, again, there's a ton of ways to to consume this uh, this episode. Uh, the uh, funny thing to note, though, is that today, this episode, number 167, is officially the first episode of Season 7 on the podcast version. So the podcast version does a different thing. Like, it does 25 episodes, and then it's a season. So... Uh, I'm 167 on YouTube, but it's episode one, season seven on uh, whatever the iPod, the uh, pa- podcast format, I should I say. Um, so I've already pinned a bunch of guys' questions. So you guys were chatting before I got here. That's always great. I appreciate that. You guys saying hi to each other, which is always great. It's I think a lot of you, like me, kind of look forward to seeing what's going to go on. Uh, I actually got to see some of the comments for the first time. I never lo- thought to look at the comments when I'm after the, the broadcast. So it was kind of cool. I got to see a lot of you guys, ha- what you guys interact with and what you guys are talking about. Uh, so a couple things. I Like I said, I have questions. I have them already. We can start with a few. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, this one, which is about reverb. Uh, believe it or not, reverb was this question that came up. It was the e- most emailed question this week Definitely, as soon as that happened, everybody started emailing me. If you guys don't know, Reverb, I think August 5th, I could be off on the date, it's in August, is going to be raising the seller price, in other words, the commission charged to the seller, from 35 to 5%. Now, um, what I will tell you is that I think July 6th-ish, last year on the live show, when Etsy bought Reverb, the question was, what do I think is going to happen when Etsy buys Reverb? And I said in that episode that I think that they'll wait a certain amount of time and then start raising prices and probably after raising prices, start decreasing some of the services because they paid something like $400 million for Reverb. And of course, they're going to want to make that money back. Now, what I didn't know, of course, I could throw a guess, which is what that was. What I wouldn't guess and known is that we'd be in the middle of this COVID uh, pandemic and all the other things. And it's really a horrible time to see them raise the price. So I I, I sometimes, like I said, I'm just giving you guys the information, but sometimes because it is a live QA, I know a lot of you are probably curious, like what's my take on it? And my take on it is, is even though one and a half percent doesn't feel like a lot, and some to some people, five percent feels like a lot. I think it's a it's like a forty or forty five percent increase in in percentage of what they're taking, and uh, it's bad timing. And here's why: I want to tell you something, and it could I'm not accusing Reverb of doing this. I have had really positive. Uh, interactings with uh, Reverb as a customer. I've never really worked with them as a YouTube channel, although I will say that they have approached me and talked to me about doing it. I just never had a chance. But that being said, uh, this. Um, in the middle of COVID, you guys may not know this, but a lot of people out there, including uh, people like me, use affiliate links. Affiliate links are the links I put down below. And if you click them, sometimes if you buy something, the uh, the company, the affiliate, will give the channel a percentage of the sale and sometimes a spiff. I don't really get a whole lot of spiffs, but like Reverb has spiffs, right? I think you can get a buck if I get somebody to sign up on to be Reverb. Um, Amazon, of course, being a huge affiliate for a lot of people. In fact, most channels have nothing to do with guitars. A huge, cha- a huge amount of YouTube channels use uh, Amazon as affiliates, right? So uh, the reason I tell you that story is that in the middle of the pandemic, when everybody was at record highs of buying online, Amazon announced with very little 
little little time, just like Reverb, that they're going to be cutting basically their affiliate percentages from like eight and six percent down to like one and two percent. Now, it's it's a little trickier than that because you get different percentages for different things. So I want to keep it kind of glossed over as a whole. Basically, what I tell you is I can tell you this: my affiliate links have taken about an 80% hit. Now, I'd like to also say they still do really well. I'm really happy that I'm, I have an ability to have another revenue stream. Uh, I work, when you're working on YouTube, it's all about pennies and getting lots of pennies from different directions that can help you not only make any kind of living, but also subsidize any kind of crazy costs. You know what I mean? This podcast alone, you know, you got to increase things like I, my new mic, you know, the new, the mic, which I love, it's expensive. It's an expensive thing. And I love doing the podcast, but let's be very clear. I don't need a $500 podcaster mic if I wasn't doing the podcast. So, so it's, again, it's nice that if I'm making some revenues to pay for those kind of expenses as well. The whole point I'm telling you is at the worst time you could imagine of, of Amazon cutting affiliate links, cutting people's income in the middle of this mess basically by saying, hey, we don't really need you because everybody's buying online. I don't think Reverb's intention was to be the same. I don't really doubt Amazon's reasoning for doing that. But I do doubt that Reverb had a evil thought that said, oh, in a couple months, because it's probably true, all mom and pop retailers, all small retailers are going to only be able to sell online. Let's face it, mom and pop retailers need online sales now more than they've ever needed it before. Uh, these appointments that go to the door and, and get your strings and picks and stuff, it's probably not working in a great way. And so buying on Reverb, let's let's be clear, like I've I, most of the stuff I bought on Reverb in the last six months has been from mom and pop shops. So to, to basically hit them when they probably need those pennies the most sucks. And uh, I will say this. I, uh, so here's what I'm on the record for. I think Reverb did not intentionally, that's my feeling, no facts based on this. I did not. I do not feel Reverb's intention was to take advantage of the fact that most of its sellers are going to need to sell at this time and that they basically can't say no to a price increase. There's no way to boycott them or stop because you need them. I also think that it sucks that they didn't think about that and maybe say, hey, look, this is an inevitable tr inevitable truth. We have to raise our fees to be more profitable. Uh, things they cited in their thing was they were going to increase marketing and stuff like that. And I'm like, marketing? Everybody's on the freaking internet. You don't need marketing. This, I mean, right now, let's be very clear. Right now, if you're an internet-based anything, you are hurt the least amount, okay? There is no, no one is out there confused that YouTube channels like mine are still doing okay and the touring musicians are screwed, right? And I say that with some intensity because I don't think it's hard to understand right now that the brick and mortar walk-in spot is hurt and the online entity is not hurt as much. Online is just not as hurt as much. So it just sucks to see them. And I, and like I said, I'm, if I'm a seem a little pissed off, it's a little, I'm a little irritated that they couldn't say, come up with any kind of compromise on that, right? It really, really be nice if there was a way that they could not do that to the mom and pop businesses. So there you go. Here's what I can tell you though. As always, we can't control the things we can't control. Here's what we can control. Don't forget that most of these uh, mom and pop businesses, smaller businesses on Reverb, uh, go on there, look at their seller history, verify that they're a good seller, that they're a good business, okay? And then before you click that buy Reverb button so that they lose 5%, and we talked about this only two weeks ago, what retailers make. In fact, if you go to that video, what retailers make, you will see tons of retailers and other business uh, professionals Echoing my uh, sentiment and my information that it's accurate, you understand that 5% out of the already low percentage that they're making is a lot to give up. And especially, think of this, if they could give it up, they'd probably rather give it to you. So what I'm telling you is, don't forget, because I just did it the other day, that uh, when you click on the reverb, you're like, before you hit the buy button and you see that they're a legitimate store, click, uh, I'll tell you what to do. You go to their seller ID, click that, hit policies and under there, there'll be a website. So in other words, you can go to their actual website. Don't, and basically that's what I'm getting at. Don't make it complicated. Just have to go to their actual website, buy it direct from them. Two things will happen. Most of the time, they're not gonna charge you sales tax. That's a little, little trick for you. So if you buy off the Reverb website, uh, if you go to a mom and pop store, they're probably gonna not charge the, the sales tax. And so you'll save that. And they're not gonna pay a Reverb fee because you're buying direct from them. So. There's a way to do that. So there's ways that we can do that. And uh, and that will help. And uh, that's what I'll do. I'll focus. I, I'll put as much money 
in the, the pocket of the person I want to have it as much as I can. So that's my uh, my take on that. Love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I saw some of the internet was very upset. I saw they were calling, a, what, Reverb Fleet, a Feverb, <laughs> something like that. Um, but as a whole, like I said, normally, you know, hey, let's be honest. Reverb is a great quality. I've said this about like Sweetwater too, so I'm echoing with Reverb. Great quality uh, selling platform. Most of us have had great experiences. Of course, there's all kinds of bad experiences I've read about too. But most of all, you're having good experiences. Reverb has really stepped up the game as far as I'm concerned from eBay and places like that. But, but still sucks to see that, that they're doing this right now. So like I said, it's not the fees that I'm upset about. I think everybody has seemed to be pissed off that they're charging more money. More money is more money, but the timing of it just couldn't be any crappier. Uh, so there you go. There's on that note. A lot of you guys super chatting all of a sudden. Hey, before I answer my first super chat, which I will get to, uh, let me hit a couple of the pinned responses or pinned questions. There's people that come in and, and I leave questions before the show even starts. And I try to always get them. Uh, the first one, I think the first one of the day was, uh, Jose. Jose said, uh, hello, Phil. I'm, uh, thinking about buying a Schecter guitar with a compound radius. And if you guys don't know what compound radius is, it's, uh, the, the radius of a fretboard, the fretboard, the top where the uh, the frets are and the strings are on top of, uh, the radius is basically how flat that is. So the bigger the number, the flatter that is. 16 is flatter than 12, 12 is flatter than 10, 10 is flatter than nine and a half, and nine and a half flatter than seven and a quarter or seven and a half. You get the idea. Um, so uh, what are we getting at? Okay, so he says, hey, he's looking at a, a Schecter with a, a compound radius fretboard. Compound meaning that that flatter radius changes. So usually it starts out uh, with a lower number and goes to a bigger number. So I don't know what Schecter's is. Uh, it's probably 12 to 16. Fender will use something like nine and a half to 14. There's different ones. Uh, Jackson, I think, was always 12 to 16. So again, uh, so in other words, as the fretboard, as you go up on the fretboard towards the 12th fret, it gets flatter and flatter, a little easier to shred and rounder at the top, a little easier to cord at. So um, uh, what else? So he's saying, hey, he's looking at that and he's a lefty. Oh, so the choices are limited. I understand. He says he can't go to a local music store and try one out. What's my advice to try? Uh, here's what I will tell you. I think I personally feel like most players, the average Joe or maybe the average Jose, <laughs> right? Average Phil uh, uh, player cannot feel a compound radius. Uh, I, I've uh, I've never liked, I've never picked up a guitar and went, compound radius, huh? <laughs> It's something that usually you can appreciate because the setup and the action is really good. There's some cool features, but it's not something that's so dramatic. So what I'm telling you is uh, I would do this, in my opinion. Uh, take the lowest number. So if the Schecter is 12 to 16, again, I don't know the exact specs of the Schecter compound radius. I've never looked on their website for specs, but let's say it's 12 to 16 or if it's 10 to 14 or whatever. I would say play a guitar that has the lowest... Uh, yeah, the lowest number radius. So if it's 12 to 16, play a guitar that has 12, it'll feel the same. It'll be a little bit different, especially 12 to 16. It's such a small amount, right? Small amount. It's cool. Uh, I, I don't know for sure. I've always felt like Jackson either invented that, Grover Jackson, or he's the one that definitely made it popularized. I've never saw it until I saw on Jackson guitars. And, uh, and then it kind of got everywhere after that. So... Somebody out there is like, no, it was this guy in Covisco or whatever, but it's probably true. But I'm just telling you where I first saw it and played it and seen seen it be a thing. Um, but that would be my thing, Jose. Check out, uh, just play a guitar with the lowest number and that will generally feel the same. And then, of course, you know, then the neck carves can be different. But if you're familiar with Schecter's, you're familiar with it. In other words, don't stress it. Compound radius is not so dramatic that... Uh, it's, a, it's one of those cool features that me, we can now do very easily with CNC machines because I'm pretty sure back in the day those guys were doing that stuff by hand. Uh, a little different world, but the CNC machine, CNC machines can do it, and uh, and it's uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, let me get to some super chatty things. I don't think they're called super chats anymore, although they do call you supers now. So they, they were calling them super chats. No, it says super chats. I thought they changed the name. So here's the first super chat of the day. It's from Richard. Richard says, hey, Phil, thanks for the advice on the heritage. I went on Reverb and found one for a smoking deal. Best, best decision ever, right? Always, always save a little scratch. That's the best thing we get to do. Use guitars. One of the downfalls, I always feel bad. Uh, if you notice, I've, I kind of mentioned it lately on more and more videos. I always feel like in videos, 
I always, I always forget to mention used. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, and I did it just recently when I did the Keeley pedal review. I mentioned that it's a great pedal, and I talked about that. One of the things I want to start doing more in my reviews uh, of new product is mention. Uh, sometimes you can't because like that SE uh, PRS that's not out yet. I mean, it's just out, so there's no used. But maybe mention what the used market is bearing, which is pretty easy thanks to companies like Reverb that we just kind of got mad. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they put like a blue booking uh, kind of pricing system out there. So, uh, yeah, man, if you got it, if you get heritage plus, like I said, let's be honest. Like I, I, I think right now uh, you can get a deal from, uh, that's what I said. That's the tough thing. I'm circling back around Richard, just, you know, I'm circling about around this. Like I said, I, I'm still sucks that reverb has its fee increase right now. Cause it's hurting the businesses, but as buyers reverb still one of the best places to go. I just, and that's why, like I said, that's why I don't think it's raw. I don't think they don't deserve the price increase. I just wish they could have held out or maybe came up with something like a different free fee structure or something. I don't know. Um, but, uh, anyways, <laughs> or give more time, more time. A couple weeks is not enough time in today's world. It would be really nice if they said, Hey, it takes effect January 1st and let, you know, let everybody have Christmas sales or back to school sales or whatever. But I'm really glad you got the guitar. We're going to go to, uh, Steven. Steven says favorite telly pickups, favorite wiring for traditional telly. Um, my favorite telly pickups, uh, like I said, forever. I love the BG 1400, which is a Billy Gibbons by Seymour Duncan. I just recently switched to the, uh, Lindy Frail and blues. I'm trying those right now. Uh, and uh, the, I think that's my favorite right now is a Lindy Frail and blues set. That's the, the one I'm using. Uh, and I think the one I'm using, cause if you're familiar with Lindy Frail and you'll know what this means. Mine is the Lindy Frail and blue set 5% hotter. Um, and so, you know, I only did that because that's what I found available on reverb when I bought them. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, I even read a thing where Lindy Freeland's like the whole, you know, 5% or 10% hotter things kind of silly. The best ones are the stock ones, but I didn't, I didn't see a stock ones when I bought the ones I bought. Um, so that's the ones I use wiring. I use, uh, a four way switch on some of my tellies and I use a three way switch on the others. And, um, I do have, uh, two videos coming soon on tellies. When I say coming soon, you know, they're in the pipeline to make, I haven't made them, uh, which is the red telly behind me. That's moving. Cause if it's got a ghost, uh, <laughs> is, uh, getting a new bridge. And it's getting a new neck pickup, and that neck pickup is going to make me have to change out the uh, volume pot and add a um, a, uh, a new component to it. I don't want to give the giveaway yet, so I'll do that. Um, but I like the four-way switch a lot, so you know. I, I think the four-way switch is pretty cool. If you guys uh, ever tried it, I highly suggest it because you get that kind of that, that louder... Uh, that louder position, which is nice for solos and sometimes pushing the clean amp a little harder. Uh, Jack says thoughts on the e EBMM majesty. Just bought one and loving it. Uh, well, you know, he's probably maybe listening at work. My buddy Eric's probably listening right now with his 20 majesties in his room. I'm just kidding. He's got like 10. No, I don't know how many he's got, but, uh, he loves them. I've played all of his and, uh, I, I love the guitar and the idea of the quality of the guitar. It's just not my feel. It doesn't feel right to me. Um, it feels great though. It just doesn't fit me. Right. I don't know if it's just, I'm too fat or too tall or to whatever it's just not right um but the guitar i love everything about it i love the i love the three-way switches how they're tucked in i love the quality i love the way it looks it just doesn't sit right in my lap for some reason it's like not in the position i want to be in and it's probably because it, it to me if i was a huge less paul shaped fan right and it was by fan meaning fan of the shape and how it feels i think the ebm the majesty is like that way improved right where I'm a Strat guy, and I don't think there's anything more comfortable than a Strat to me. It's just, that's how it is. And Tellys, too, to be honest with you. Tellys shapes are fine. Uh, especially, like, the ones behind me with the, the G&L, behind me with the arm carve. To me, the Strat is just the most comfortable shape. So, uh, love the guitars, but I still prefer Strats. And, um, and I'm not proud of that, because a Strat's kind of a very pedestrian, boring kind of guitar to be in love with. But it, it, it is what it is. That's what I like. Ben says, I love the channel. Thank you. Well, and then Ben it just jumped. Okay, Ben, here it is. Ben's, ben loves the channel. Have you played 14 Gibson SG Futura P90 Neck? I have not. Not that I remember. Um, Humbucker Bridge, 15 decibel boost. Just found one local for $600. Never owned USA. 
all epis. So I don't know what the last part is, but uh, have I played? So I think he's saying a 2014 Gibson SG Futura. Uh, is it Futera? Futera? What? I don't know what that is. F-U-T-U-A-R. Futera? Futura? Uh, P90. It's got P90s in the neck. Um, I don't remember playing one, so I, I don't know. It's a horrible answer, but it's just the only answer I got. Cheddar Kung Pao in the house, guys. Hey, what's up, Cheddar? As you guys know, Cheddar's a fan, friend, and he has a great channel as well. And uh, he's got a question for me. It's going to be fun. It says, Phil, what do you think of Gibson's new lawsuit? Ah, oh, Chad, really? I knew you were going to go there. Uh, are they as good as vintage lawsuits? He went for the joke, folks. You got to give him props for going for the joke. Uh Here's what's crazy. I can't even keep track. Is this the lawsuit where, hold on, who are they suing now? Hold on. Uh, a comp. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, they're suing the company for making the Imperial. Is that what it is? Somebody chime me in. Uh, there's a company out there that makes the a, a guitar that looks like the Imperial Epiphone. Again, I'm chewing off the memory. I read the article. I think it was on Guitar World or somewhere, and I read it real fast. And then Gibson's basically saying uh, the company uh, that's got the that's making them said that Gibson didn't make them, and that's why they're making them. And then Gibson's like, "No, we made them for artists only, and that's why we're doing it." You know what? You know what? I, I'll tell you. I am just so bored of hearing about Gibson lawsuits. In the fact that it's it's funny how how. It almost could be, and again, I don't want to start a conspiracy, but it almost could be a strategy to just sue everyone so much so that we just get sick of talking about it. And then when they do something really crazy, we won't notice. Um, it just seems like, <laughs> it seems like, um, what does it seem like? It seems like I wish we could just all figure out how to make better guitars. Wouldn't that be nice? Like I, the best comment I ever read on any video might've been mine, somebody else's comment from a viewer who said, Man, why don't you take all that money you're giving to lawyers and just make your guitars better? Sound like a great suggestion to me. I am a Gibson fan. Think about this. And I understand intellectual property rights and wanting to protect them. We all understand that. But it just seems like <laughs> Evan Ward said Gibson is, Gibson is suing the entire nation of China. It's just, to me, at some point, here's my th thought. Let's go here and let's think about this. At some point, you would think, you don't want your name synonymous with like, think about, think about this. You have to be a certain age. Like my kids wouldn't understand this reference. Uh, so the younger viewers, you won't probably understand this reference. Postal worker going postal, going postal has no meaning to my kids. Like if they said, Hey, the guy was crazy and he pulled a gun. I'd be like, Oh, he went postal. They'd be like, well, I don't understand what that means. Cause they don't remember in the late eighties, early nineties, when some postal workers, a bunch of them cross country just started going crazy and shooting up post offices, uh, when they got fired. And that's my vague remembrance of what happened then. But you get the idea. My point is, I don't think the postal workers really appreciated being, you know, connected to the going postal, meaning going crazy. And I just think that at some point you don't want everybody who says, oh, lawsuit or suing. The first thing you think is Gibson going Gibson is right. Somebody, somebody goes, oh, a lawyer sent me a letter and he went Gibson on me. Right. Like imagine that, you know, that's what I'm saying is at some point they got to knock it off because otherwise going Gibson will be a thing. <laughs> he went Gibson on me. <laughs> so I got a Gibson letter. There you go. I'm done picking on Gibson. <laughs> that's it for the show. No more. There you go, Cheddar. We all, we got, you got, we got those two things out. Uh, yeah, too many, GTR, GTR 1952 says too many lawsuits in general. Well, you know what it is? And I, and this is, hopefully this is taking us right, right direction on this, on this show, the live show. It's fun to talk about guitars. It's definitely fun to talk about the guitar industry. There's all kinds of conversations I definitely want to have. To be honest with you, at some point, I'm such a guitar nerd. Yes. Do I want to talk about the accounting of companies? Do I want to talk about logistical uh, sales? Yes. Do I want to talk about lawsuits between companies? Yes, to some point. But I never want to be, I never want that be the thing I care about or talk about the most. I always wanted to talk about, you know, the bridge materials and guitars and music, right? Like, hey, music's first. We talk about music first, right? Hopefully. This is a gear channel, so we're going to focus on the gear point. But it should be music, then the gear, then maybe the inner politics of these companies, right? All right. <laughs> Evan says, don't go full Gibson. You never go full Gibson. Some of you guys will definitely understand what that comment means. You never go full Gibson. 
Um, all right. <laughs> on to a new subject. Um, by the way, on a side note, the one thing I will tell you is sometimes, and this is again, because I'm trying to be more balanced with the show. Sometimes when I say something and I think a lot of people walk away with maybe a, a misconception because I've had people say things to me like, I know you hate this. And I'm like, ah, what are you talking about? I love that. I have three of them. Um, but uh, with the Gibson thing, one thing I will say is they do, they are becoming the poster child, poster child for all this crap. But to be honest with you, this industry is just full of crazy litigious people, <laughs> right? If you think about it, it's, if you get any guys fans of Rick Beato, he's does great information about the music industry and the music industry is litigious as hell and crazy, right? And they go after the throats of everybody all the time. It's like this whole industry's really, and I think all, maybe every industry is focused on money, but this industry seems to have a weird not only litigious side to it, but a very spiteful side, right? It's very angry <laughs> side. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's, uh, so it's, what I'm saying is it's not new. It's not new news. It's not new that, that the one company's doing it now. They all kind of do it. So, all right. Uh, we're going to get back on subject. We're going to get talk about Dave. What does Dave want to talk about? He wants to talk about Gibson. I'm just kidding. He says, hey, best way to sell used gear in the COVID time, reverb, eBay, Craigslist, consignment, etc. What's the best price? Wait, way to get best price. Uh, best. Okay, so during COVID, uh, best. I think the best way to sell gear right now is on reverb and eBay. Uh, and uh, Craigslist is up to you, but it also Craigslist is a hard thing to say because it's so so connected to your local environment. My personally, where I live in Phoenix, Craigslist sucks. Now, when I usually say that to people who live in other cities, they go, oh, you don't know. Mine really sucks. So it, maybe it sucks everywhere, but it just seems like extra sucks here. Um, I've gotten a couple wins with Craigslist. In fact, remember, we I did a live show with Ralph and we went and bought his SG. I went and bought him an SG uh, on on Craigslist. So, I mean, it works, right? Um, but uh, me personally, what I like to do for selling stuff is Put it on Reverb or eBay, sometimes both, right? It's free listing for both. So that's the good news, okay? Remember back in the day, eBay used to charge you for listing. That's why I'm saying when I was talking about Reverb and the fees, I'm not trying to tie this back to Reverb, but remember eBay used to have higher fees and used to charge us for listings. Remember, you used to have to pay to list stuff. Um, so anyways, list stuff. And here's what you got to do. You sell gear the same way you sell your home, okay? You list it for the price you think some crazy person might buy it. Not absurd. Don't be dumb. Don't be that. Don't be, don't put something for 1500 bucks if you know the best you've ever seen is 12. What I'm saying is, is when I see Reverb say it's worth between 1000 and 1500 maybe put it for the 15 or the 14 Put it on the higher end and put the offer button out. That's the best way. That's what's great about that. And wait, right? And uh, here's what I will tell you. Don't take the first offer in the first 24 hours unless it's really good. Because uh, I used to do that. When we used to do that, you know, you list something and, and like the first two hours, somebody go, hey, I'll give you 12. And I was like, oh, I was asking 14. Hey, you should do it. It's fast sale. I realized, And then you get the email right after that going, did you sell that? I was going to, I was getting the cash from my buddies or whatever. So uh, best advice is post it for the price you want. Wait. If you can wait, if you're in a need for cash, we're talking different strategies. Okay. We're talking about wait, just wait. Um, that's great. It's going to get, it's going to get seen and somebody will give you the right price for it or the price you want. So there you go. Michael says, just bought a Yamaha ACM1 acoustic. Beautiful. Love it. Do you recommend changing the nut bridge pins from plastic to bone bronze pens? Uh, is it easy to set up? Uh, generally, acoustics are generally easy to set up. There's not a few things you have to change on them. You're going to adjust the neck a little bit. Uh, and, um, you know, usually you don't have to adjust the bridge by either shimming it or sanding it down, but it depends on the guitars. Most guitars, if acoustic is right, okay, so there's two ways you should receive acoustic. I don't know if you guys should know, know this or not. Either acoustic should be perfect, the way you pick them up and you're happy, or the action should be high. You never want to buy an acoustic where the action isn't either perfect for you or high. And, if, and when action's low, it's very scary because that usually means you have to shim the bridge or put a new bridge in it, uh, bridge saddle, I should say. And um, so so that's, that's the concern. Now, should, I'm not saying don't buy them, just saying that's what you look for. That's what I look for in acoustic, right? If the action's high, usually most manufacturers ship the acoustics with the bridge saddle being a little high, okay? Um, so that's not a big deal. Uh, changing out the nut. Uh, yes, changing from plastic is always a good decision. Plastic is horrible. Uh, 
the the I think the worst thing you can do is here's what I want you to picture in your head, and this is a great way a little way I've learned to explain why a nut and a bra a bridge uh, on a guitar is important is this. Imagine all the materials you can make a nut out of, and let's say the first material is a sponge. You'd be like, that is horrible. Yes, a sponge is horrible. And then a piece of rubber, which would be very horrible, but not as horrible as sponge. And then after rubber would be a piece of plastic. And then there's different kinds of plastic, but we'll just say plastic. And after plastic, then you would probably want something like, in my opinion, probably bone. Some people are going to say graphite, then bone. Um, to be totally fair, I think in my mind, it goes sponge, rubber, plastic, New bone, which is a man-made kind of Corian type plastic bone material, then uh, bone, then graphite. I think graphite's always my favorite, but I like bone a lot. So to me, it's 50-50. I could put bone or graphite in a guitar. Now, you can use brass and even aluminum, uh, aluminum, aluminum, <laughs> aluminum, especially transparent aluminum for your for your Star Trek fans. Uh, anyways, uh, so uh, you can use those materials too, but they're just not as common. You don't see them as much. I have no problem with those. Uh, to me, it's 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 just my opinion. The hardest material is the best for me from experience. It's a wearable item, okay? So think about this. Strings wear into the grooves. The nut is a wearable item, just like the frets. So to me, the best material you can make it out of, the longer it lasts. Now, some people are going to go, yeah, but the brass is tinny or the harder material is brighter. Yeah, maybe that's a concern. If that's something that concerns you, you have to weigh that in. For me, that's never been a real concern for me. The concern for me is... Dealing with it later, it's because uh, because the problem with having a bunch of guitars is at some point when a guitar gives you trouble, you kind of really out. This is going to be a horrible way to say this, but sometimes when a guitar is giving me trouble, it's a lot, it feels a lot easier to take it out back and shoot it than it is to fix it because I got another guitar to worry about. I don't so you guys for the record, I don't literally take guitars out and shoot them, but you understand. I think the analogy works, right? Uh, it's more more inept, more more likely to get rid of it than fix it. Um, so that's what I would do for that. Bridge pins, that's on you. I did a video showing some brass pins uh, and what they did, and I've done video. I literally. It's not that they don't make a difference. I just didn't care. It didn't It didn't affect me. Some people are, are going to be different. Again, though, I prefer maybe some harder material ones like ebony ones, uh, wood, or uh, some better type plastic ones than some of the cheap plastic ones. But I don't think that necessarily makes the tone change so much as, as other factors. So there you go. Skyrima Guitar. Skyrima Guitar said, here's 1,000 pennies. Spend them wisely. So I know poor, poor Sean at Skyrima Guitar sent me a, a kit build, and uh, I will get to it one day. <laughs> it's on the list. In fact, I almost texted him this week to say, hey, it's going to be. And I was like, oh, don't do that to him. And I just did it to him right now. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah, well, he sent me a kit build. This is going to be a kit build. I can't remember. Uh, Sean probably remembers. I don't remember if we were going to either we're giving it away or we're going to sell it and then give the money to charity. I can't remember which one we decided to do with it, but it's, 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 I'm probably, you know, kind of just probably do a promotion with it, give it away. Um, it just depends. If we sometimes, I, I feel like sometimes instead of the giveaways, because only one person gets something out of it, maybe the charities gives a little bit more people to raise some money for charity and, and everybody gets to see the videos anyways. Uh, Neil says, and Neil, you got to wait everybody as I drink water. And I horribly, into the microphone, I apologize. In fact, I went to look and I go, yeah, I've got my New Year logo on my cup. So, so, you know what it is? I always drink from this side in every video. And I think when I'm watching back and I'm and I'm indexing it, I'm like, why am I holding the cup the wrong way? I need to promote. That's brand. That's 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 worth like 30 cents in promotion right there. Think about this. A company would have to pay a YouTuber six, 16 to 17 cents for this much ad time. Right. Look at that. And I'm I, could, I get that ad time for free. I don't have to pay myself anything. So I just promoted my cup as I, I'm swallowing too too close to the mic. Anyways, uh, Neil. Neil says, hey, Phil, I'm looking at buying my first seven string and looking at a Schecter C7 Apocalypse. Uh, do you know this model? And is there a default seven string tuning that you would use starting out? Stay safe. Well, the default tuning for most players are going to be the low B. A seven string guitar is a six string guitar with an extra low B string. Uh, and that's the main thing. Uh, I don't have my seven string behind me. At one point in my life, I think I had 
I don't know, like seven or eight seven strings, and that's all I was playing. I was in a seven string thing for a while. And for anybody that's thinking, it wasn't when Limp Biscuit was cool. So it had nothing to do with that. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, the uh, the point is uh, now I have one. It's my Ibanez RG7620. And I think my favorite one I ever owned was my Petrucci Music Man, but that was some 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 real large cash on that one, and I didn't play it very often. And you know, I was thinking I, I think I had three hundred, I have three hundred fifty bucks into my Japanese made RG seven six twenty. So I thought, you know, hey man, why don't I ditch? I think I ditched the fifteen hundred dollar used guitar. Uh, so to answer your question, I love the Schecter ones, the Schecter Apocalypse. I have played. I like the neck. To me, seven strings are about the neck, man. They got to get the neck right. Some of them do not. Uh, Schecter, I think, is one of the companies that does it really well, uh, that d- has a neck that's not so chunky, because some of those necks can be a workout, right? I mean, it's just nuts. Um, seven string is a guitar that, uh, I will tell you this, in today's day and age, I don't know what your conviction is on a seven string and what your desires are. But if I was going to give a friend some advice about a seven string, man, you can find them dirt cheap. So I would say buy a really cheap one. Play that for a couple months, and if you're still in the mood to throw down a grand for the Schecter, buy it. If it's it just, I'm just, you know, hey, I'm just telling you. Um, I know that's not an exciting thing. That's more of a practical thing, and I know I mention all the time that this isn't really a practical world we live in. We, we live in the artistic, you know, collecting fun guitars and playing stuff world, but but... But honest to goodness, man, dude, right now, I bet you with little effort, I could find you a decent seven string for 150 bucks that that easy. And uh, and they're because they're out there because because here's why. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? I said headless guitars. Let's see if I can top the one I did on the uh, did a podcast. or did we did a live show when I said headless guitars are like stairs, right? The older you are, the more you don't want them. Seven strings are like treadmills. Everyone bought one and then sold it for nothing. Well, at least the fat guys like me did. But actually, so you know, I still have my treadmill. Don't get on. Okay. But back to the important part. Seven strings are like treadmills. You buy them used on Craigslist because everyone's selling you a used one easy. So that's what I would do for the seven string. Do that, man. Especially if you don't know. Uh, Joseph says a PRS seven string. You know what? I loved my PRS seven string. I had the SE and uh, the 25 inch scale one. I loved it. Loved it. And like I said, it was just because I um, didn't play it. And um, that's all it is. And there's something about seven strings I still love. That's why I have my RG. Um, and I think about getting them all the time. But like I said, don't be afraid. Check out those cheap ones. They're there. Um, you can buy a much better seven string guitar used than you can buy a six string guitar used. In other words, there, there, there's always somebody trying to dump one. Uh, the convert says, Hey man, the convert says, Hey Phil, uh, I know players selling gear to stay afloat. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately I do too. Uh, I like getting a deal, but I'm conflicted these days when it might be benefiting from others. Misery. Can you relate? Yeah, of course we can all relate. Um, the reality is this. So there's two things you have to think about. And I'll just, again, I like to always defer to my own mindset, uh, because, you know, if you go, hey, he's an asshole, then you go, don't be like him. And if you think I'm okay, dude, then you go, okay, well, maybe I'll emulate that a little bit. And so that's basically where I'm going to go with this. Um, let's be very clear. You make good deals when there's, it's like real estate, right? Death and divorce is when you're going to get a deal on a house, okay? Uh, guitars, unfortunately, work the same way. The best deals you're ever going to get are when somebody's in a hard way. So, uh, this is even compounded so much. Think of this for 12 years, I had this retail business where I would buy gear off people. And let's be honest, they come in off the streets and they're just in a hard way, man. You know what I mean? And there's two things you have to weigh out. There's good business sense, which says, Hey, you take advantage of the business opportunity that's presented in front of you. And then there's good sense or maybe humanity or kindness and you factor in that. So that's what your that's what your argument is, right? You're talking about the angel devil on your shoulder. Do I take the deal and say, you know what, life pans out and maybe the next time he'll win, this time I won? Or do you say, hey man, there's always a good, you know, you got to take care of people. Here's what I can tell you. I do this weird thing where I will fight for the deal no matter what, and then I will give back. I've done this many times. It's like, so I don't know what it is. It's kind of like there is something exciting about getting a deal. And there is something, you know, everybody loves like, hey, man, I could have spent $300 and I spent $250 and now I have $50 left. And that just seems like good sense. So there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is, is if you're buying a piece of gear and you know the person's in a hard way, okay, um, 
I, you could just say, hey, I'll take the deal. In other words, what I'm saying is, is if you know they're going to they're gonna sell for three and you know that's cheap, too cheap to buy it, okay, uh, go, go ahead and do it. But like I said, after you do it, it's okay to say, hey, man, you know what? Thanks for the deal. Here's an extra hundred bucks. So you see what I'm saying? There's a way you can always give back a little bit. Um, what I will tell you on that note too is the another thing too, and this is what I did in the store. And again, hopefully this makes sense. I always told myself, I want to be, I want to be the least manipulative guy. Does it make sense? I don't know if I'm saying this right. I don't have a, like, I never really thought about it and had to say it out loud. What I'm basically trying to say is I always like to think that whatever I did to the person was the best that person probably had the opportunity to get. Does that make sense? So in other words, if they went to 10 stores and 10 stores gave them an offer, I hope I wanted, and I hope that my offer was the best to give them. So that's not always the case. You know what I mean? Because you're guessing, but that's what it is. So yes. So to answer your question, you should always do your best to take care of people and be nice. But also, like I said, you have to do this. Now, some people, I have good friends that are going to flat out tell me uh, when they see this, they don't care because like I said, you win some and you lose some. That's the saying. Again, you have to decide. So, um, all right. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else? Oh, we have another question. Uh, Joseph. Hold on, Joseph. It says, Phil, I bought an FSR. FSR means Fender Special Run. Telly, because of your review vid. Oh, man, that's good and bad. So far, I like it. It's a keeper. Time will tell. When do you remove plastic from new guitar? I do it immediately, compulsively. I peel the labels off my beers, too. So if that drives you nuts, I'm sure that will make you nuts as well. Uh, yeah, that's that's me in a, in a nutshell. Um, uh, think about this. I, I've received guitars. I've bought guitars where the guitars are 20 years old and the original plastics on them and the parts still look brand new. And I go, so, uh, yeah. So, uh, when do you do it? That's when I do it. When should you do it? I don't know. Uh, what I will tell you is this, if you leave the plastic on too long, I do have a video that shows you how to get the, the glue off. Cause it does, it does kind of like an acetone it kind of etches into the plastic, but it can be fixed. And I have a video on that. It's how to remove plastic off a pick guard. It's not one of my highest viewed videos, but it's funny. Everybody who's ever uh, needed it has been like, man, I needed this. Um, but yeah. Uh, and, and my FSR telly, which is right there, I already inked the plastic off. In fact, that guitar, I'm already doing, planning to do stuff to it, which is like I said, it's getting a new bridge and it's getting one new pickup. That's the only thing. I'm, I'm not changing the tuning keys, by the way, which is funny. It has the Kluson style keys, non-locking. I'm going to leave those alone. The bridge uh, is not a, uh, uh, I love the bridge. It's not a um, intonation issue. It's a tone issue. I'm going to change the bridge to bridge to warm up the guitar a little bit. The guitar is really bright. And I think that's probably what the guitar should sound like. Uh, but I'm, force, I'm forcing it to do what I want. I'm forcing it to sound the way I want. Just silly. Uh, okay. Hold on. Jeff, Jeff says, got a new Kramer assault plus a Les Paul style with a JB. That's the, uh, Jeff Beck, uh, uh, Seymour Duncan pickup in the, in the bridge and the jazz in the neck. Love it. But cheaper, cheaper electrical parts, brand type resistors, recommendations need LP style three way two push pulls. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm a big proponent for changing out the electronics more than anything else, even more so than pickups sometimes. Um, changing out the potentiometers. The reason is, is because if you know you're going to keep the guitar for any length of time, those parts are specifically going to wear out the easiest and the fastest. And this is an argument that I've always had with a lot of players who are like, ah, who cares? Well, I'm like, well, here's the problem. It's not who cares. It's they go out in the worst times. If you have a cheap three-way switch or a cheap output jack or a cheap potentiometer, it's always going to fail at the worst possible time. And here's the sad part. I know a lot of you guys, you're not gigging musicians. You're at home and you're hobbyists and you're playing and you're like, oh, who cares if it goes out? You know what it goes out? When you're trying to show your friend. It's like the worst thing. You're like, hey, Dave, check. Oh, crap. Wait, what's going on here? Right? <laughs> and maybe that's not embarrassing for you and maybe it's not a problem, but it still sucks. So if you're going to swap that stuff, that's when I would do it. Uh, and and uh, and that's when I would do it. Re- uh, recommendations. I, I like Switchcraft for output jacks. Uh, I like Bo- Bourne's potentiometers um, for pots. Uh, basically, I don't really focus on the high-end stuff for me personally with my guitars. I just stay away from the lowest, lowest stuff. Oh, I left my phone on. Look at that. Figure that out. For the record, my phone is like never on. <laughs> so let me do that. That's why I didn't think to look. 
But, hey, you know what? That's a great segue. I'm going to tell you guys why my phone was on. Because it's never on. Uh, uh, I don't like talking. It's funny. <laughs> I have a show where I talk for an hour and a half. I don't like talking. I don't like talking on the phone. But I had something happen this week, and I want to share with you. It's uh, it's like a show-and-tell thing. I'm actually going to show you at the end of the show. Uh, I want to show you what Justin sent me. Uh, the stuff we talked about a couple weeks ago. But right now, I want to say thank you. I had this interesting, very interesting, and long conversation with Larry DiMargio and Wilson from DiMargio. And uh, this is something we've we've had a couple conversations now, and it's been great. And I've learned so much, and they're so kind to let... I'm asking uh, crazy questions about DiMargio history and all this stuff. As you guys know, I did the Five Things video. And, you know, through this conversation, conversations back and forth, apparently... <laughs> which is nice. Apparently, uh, Larry has f- felt like he's gotten some kind of worth from me talk- talking. So I-, I actually set this up so I can show you. Here it is. Uh, that's reverb. <laughs> he sent me this. He sent me some wine and cheese uh, from Beverly Hills. Uh, it came today. Literally came today. Um, so we're very excited about this because, you know, it's a uh, COVID. Uh, my-, my wife has been on me because I've been working nonstop. And uh, we're trapped in the house, uh, literally, because, you know, uh, it's really hard to go anywhere. It's not really real. And it's 108 outside, as you guys know. And he sent me this beautiful uh, uh, shipment, and it came today. And it was, it's like I said, it's really cool. So, uh, for the record, uh, no beer tonight. It's going to be wine and cheese. Uh, something, I, uh, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But it's going to happen. And I'm, I just wanted to show you guys, not to, like, brag. Please don't take it that way. I just, I've, I've got to tell you guys, seriously, I have needed something like this. I don't even know how to explain this to you. Not that I needed a gift or I needed cheese or I needed wine, maybe liquor, but I needed, uh, and that's why, like I said, with Justin too, I don't want to take away from Justin because Justin sent me something just a week ago and it's the same kind of feeling. It was like this, man, whew, you know what I mean? It's just kind of nice. And I know sometimes it sucks uh, when you guys are watching these YouTube channels like mine and we're like, look what this company sent me, this guitar. But you got to understand, that's always, no company's giving you anything, okay? They're trading. They're like, hey, well, sometimes not even that. As you guys know, I'll review a guitar and then it comes, it goes back to the company. I don't get anything for that. But sometimes they do. They leave the gear and sometimes there's all kinds of other arrangements they have where they'll, hey, if you do a bunch of videos, maybe they'll give you a, let you pick a piece of gear or something. There's all kinds of stuff. But the important part of the story is, that's not free. That's an exchange. That's my time. If I was a plumber, it'd be no different than if somebody said, hey, if you plumb my bathroom, I'll give you a guitar. Although that's cool, I guess, because you get a guitar. It's not free. It's not somebody just giving you a gift for the sake of, hey, thank you. That literally was just him saying thank you. Um, you know what I mean? And uh, and I don't even know why, because I swear to God, I think the conversation was definitely, I was getting more out of it and learning more about it than ever before. Uh, so there you go. I thought I would share a little segue on that. Anyways, uh, so let's get back to the, um, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> we were talking to Jeff. Jeff, uh, oh, push-pull parts and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, I don't know what I, I don't know how I got, st- I'm lost. So we're going to go back to the questions. Hold on. Maybe I was a little more uh, emotionally connected to that cheese and and uh, wine. <laughs> I also feel kind of very classy. Cheese and wine is a very classy gift, <laughs> right? It's like, hmm, I never saw myself as like a cheese and wine kind of person, but I may be. Maybe in a couple of weeks, you guys might hear me go, I'm, I'm, I'm on that. Uh, so, anyways, okay. Uh, Oh, uh, uh, Quartz, Quartz, I don't know how to say it, Calls, says, Phil, I would never put in the work to do this channel. I enjoy the perks. You know what's funny is, I'll tell you the, the weird thing about these YouTube gigs that all these channels have, and not all, but a lot of them, and uh, is this. It's nice because there's a lot of benefits. It's funny, though, one thing that I think people lose connection to, a connector to, is that a large part, again, not all, a large part of ch- channels didn't even know there's reward to this, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? You just start making this content. So that's why I tell people, I go, if you want to do it, you should do it because you'll never probably predict what it is that's going to happen. And there might be benefits you'll never foresee. I, I never foresee foreseen any of the benefits that's happened on this channel. But what I will tell you is sometimes you do look back and you go, when somebody's kind of slamming you about something, you're thinking, man, you know, it's funny. 
I didn't even, I was doing all this work for nothing, not because I thought there was an opportunity. I was just doing it. Um, so there you go. Uh, so yeah, thank you for acknowledging that it's sometimes it's hard work. It is. It's, uh, it's sometimes it's the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. And sometimes it's the hardest. It's weird. Uh, uh, let's see. Ah, Grumpy says, uh, says you need liquor and cigars. Yeah. I don't think cigars are ever going to fly in my, in my house. My wife, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever tried a cigar. So, you know, I uh, never, I, I know somebody gave me a cigar when my son was born, but I never, I never smoked it. <laughs> Is that bad luck? Now I'm just wondering, going, was I supposed to? Is that a thing? Don't tell me. If it was, I don't want to know. Anyways, uh, okay, so let's uh, let's go to Christopher. Christopher says, thoughts on Nash guitars. I just got a two humbucker telly and I'm, I'm in love. Best feeling guitar I've ever played. If you guys don't know, Nash guitars is a company. They are really known for making Strat and telly style guitars, but I think Nash also makes Les Paul style guitars. Nash is another one of these builders, high-end builders, very, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll just say Tom Anderson, sir, uh, you know, uh, Nash, uh, Crook Tellies are like that, uh, Grosh. Um, there's a lot of uh, high-end builders out there, Nags, you know what I mean, that just build high-end guitars. Um, I worked on two Nash guitars, just doing setups for friends and stuff. They were very high-end custom shop fenders uh, to, to me, so no complaints. I played maybe one or two at uh, Carter's Vintage Guitars in Nashville. I think every time I saw a Nash, I would pick one up at Carter's. And I think both times I went to Carter's, there was Nash guitars for their play. So yeah, definitely like them. A lot of money, man. So you uh, you spent the sca- you spent the scratch because they're a lot of money even used. So Christopher, uh, enjoy. It's a good guitar. It's definitely expensive, but like I said, it's, it's a quality, it's a quality instrument for sure. Uh, Aaron says, best guitar wall hanger for the money. You know what? I only use string swing. This is the only broken record I have. You'll never see me be so broken recordy. Um, now this, I got to tell you just because of the fun of it. I I've always been able to easily tell you guys, not only do I love string swing, it's the only strings or wall hanger I've ever used, but now is, uh, they sent me these. In other words, I reached out to them and asked string swing. I said, I want to change the room and I want to go from the sideways ones to the verticals back. And I wanted uh, to see if I, they would make me a deal on the 22 I needed or 20 whatever five I bought and they just sent them to me. And, uh, and, um, it's probably because of all the constant, what I, you know, so I'm saying that's a reverse, uh, sponsorship, right? That's, I kept saying, I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. And then they, they wouldn't take my money, uh, which is sometimes the best thing to ever happen to you when you're ready to buy something. And then they're like, your money's no good here. And you're like, this is awesome. Uh, so they sent those to me. So the reason I'm telling you that is just to disclose to you that now, you know, obviously there's some bias there on top of that. But what I will tell you is this. I, 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 if people use Hercules, there's all kinds of brands out there. I have no complaints about most of the brands because one, I've either never used them or two, I, you know, I, I, I have nothing to base that off of. What I will tell you is this. Uh, I've never had a single problem in my life with string swings and it's all I've been using for over 20 years including in my shop. Uh, even when my shop, my original store was 1400 square feet. When we moved to 3,200 square feet, we ripped all the hangers out of the walls and just re put them up on the walls. I mean, that's how, that's how much abuse they took. Uh, in fact, a lot of the hangers in my house are the ones I ripped out of the store at the end. Uh, so, uh, so again, quality stuff, um, made in the USA. They don't have any import stuff. It's all hundred percent made and manufactured in USA. Small company. Couldn't tell you how many employees I was going to throw a guess 16 employees. So again, 16 hardworking people, mom and pop legitimately business. I got nothing but good things to say. If you use any of the links I put down below, I think it goes to Amazon and Sweetwater. Uh, they give me like a penny or something, whatever they give you a kickback. If I, if I, uh, if you buy from them, don't, don't feel obligated to do that. Um, but that's what I recommend. A lot of people will tell you that you can buy really good ones for three bucks. I'm not saying you can't, I'm just saying, I can only tell you what I do. I, it's, 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 I had the same option to buy a $3 hanger and I always chose these, uh, 12, $15 ones, not because of any other reason than literally, uh, I trust them. Uh, to me, I, I, I trust them. Like I trust a car seat with my kids. I trust these things. So, uh, voodoo fist says, thanks for doing what you do. Best channel on YouTube. Thank you for lying for me. That's very nice of you. (laughs) Not the best channel on YouTube, but I'm the best channel 
name know your gear no i'm just kidding thank you voodoo fist that's a very nice compliment and uh, i appreciate you saying that man that's cool that's very nice of you very kind um bill says bill says i just bought a uh wait i just bought a chair called the sound seat needed a comfy guitar chair stool that my dogs cannot occupy don't recall guitar chairs being discussed here any experience and thoughts on any of them um i use uh so right now i'm sitting on a crappy office chair that squeaks uh uh, when I do videos, you can see behind me, I'm using a Fender Barstool. Look, squeak. This is going to be awkward if you can't hear that squeaking. It's really loud. Anyways, uh, that's the Fender Barstool I use. But what I really use in the other room is I use Pork Pie Seats. Uh, pork Pie is like a drum throne company, and they make great stuff. And I use a Pork Pie Seat. And uh, it's it's like sitting on a cloud. <laughs> It's nice. Uh, I haven't checked out the sound seat. I will check it out. I will put a link when I index this to the sound seat uh, website so you guys can check it out as well. And uh, uh, just really cool. But yeah, that's what I use. Uh, you know, that's it. Um, the only thing I will tell you is what I use is 24 inch bar stools. Uh, I like 24 inches because my feet touch the floor and I like them to have this one has a ring. See the ring? Right there, the lower ring for your foot. If you need to put your leg up uh, to put your guitar on your leg, uh, that's what I like. Uh, I don't like the taller 32-inch bar stools. They're too tall for me. It's just not where I want to be. So 24 inches is uh, comfortable. I think it's perfect seating position for guitar. Fret level, fret level midnight. Hey, what's up, go? Fret level midnight says, uh, finally got a golden HSS vintage sunburst in the mail today. Okay, so he talked about hey, he ordered one before uh, from the uh, the six hundred dollar below video, right? So he's got it in the mail today. Plays pretty good. Fantastic gig bag. Yeah, their gig bags are legit. Uh, I think mine just needed a little setup uh, for me. Thoughts? Yeah, of course. Uh, some adjustments is more than uh, more than adequate for most guitars. You know what I mean? To me, uh, this is a conversation conversation that, that, um, uh, that I, I have, uh, and I, I've tried to use different analogies over the years, especially when people are like, uh, they can't figure out sometimes when I'm critiquing a guitar, why did I hammer that and not hammer that? And you got to understand when I, I, what I personally care about with a guitar is different than what I think the average guitar player should care about because I've spent so much time teaching and learning. Well, I shouldn't say teaching, teaching myself, teaching myself and learning to do these kind of repairs. Sometimes people are like, I love it when I did a video and I was talking about a guitar and they were like, and I was complaining about the setup and there was like, well, you could do setups. Why don't you just do it? I'm like, well, it's because I'm not making videos for me. I'm making videos for you and you can't do it because the average viewer does not do their own setups. Uh, so uh, that's why. So back to this, what I was going to say was, here's my thought. Maybe it helps. Um, again, I like the analogy, so I'll stick with it. If I bought a car and the alignment was off, that'd be no go. I'd take it back to the dealership. If I bought a car and the tire was a little low, that's different, right? Tire a little low. I'm not, uh, I mean, I would go put air in it at the gas station. I wouldn't go back to the dealership and be like, what up? What's, what's going on? Why is my tire low? I would be like, Hey man, you know, I would just go fix it myself. So again, same thing, adjusting a saddle, uh, adjusting the saddle, adjusting the truss rod. Those are easy things that no one should be afraid of. And you should be able to do yourself. Uh, cutting the nut <laughs> is not something you should have to do if you paid for a brand new guitar. Um, to me, cutting a nut would be like the alignment or other things in the car where you're like, Hey man, weren't you supposed to do this? I, I, you know what I mean? So, uh, so that same thing with your guitar. That's what I'm getting at is uh, if you're all you think is you need some adjustment and keep in mind, sometimes when we're talking about setups, we're not talking about the guitars being defective or wrong. It's a personal thing. Okay. You personally like the action a certain way. Maybe that's not how the the factory does it because the average consumer doesn't like it that way. You might like things different. So yeah, uh, very cool. I'm glad you like the guitar. Like I said, I, I'm a huge Godin fan. I'm actually in the market to buy another Godin and uh, do a video, but um, it's slow moving on that. I've, I've haven't found the one I want. Uh, grumpy guitar, <laughs> grumpy Mike, grumpy Mike guitar. Is it Grumpy Mike guitar? Do you change this? I'm, I always thought it was Grumpy. No, I guess it was Grumpy Mike. I said this before. Actually, now I'm having deja vu the time I said. I thought it was called Grumpy Mike, not Grumpy Mike guitar. Grumpy Mike says, and why not? Man, that's really cool of you. Uh, and uh, says, since you mentioned lefties, which bu budget lefty would you recommend? Squire Ibanez asking for a friend. Uh, my favorite lefty uh, guitar 
hands down, is Schecter guitars. I think they make the most of them. They are not going to be priced the cheapest for sure, but they have great quality left-handed guitars. Um, Squire, Ibanez, other brands make good left-handed guitars, but I always feel like, I don't know what it is. I always thought either Schecter, somebody high up at Schecter either plays left-handed. There's some kind of weird thing where Schecter gives a crap about lefties more than anyone else. I've never found another electric guitar company that seems to make as many left-handed versions of guitars, not only in the models that they make, but at the color choices. So a lot of, a lot of cool things there. Uh, so that's what I would recommend. And lefties are definitely that thing I said I was going to maybe do a remind myself to mention used again. Man, a lefty uh, Schecter guitar, you can sometimes find those for a, a song. You know what I mean? Uh, lefties, all, all lefties know this. You either pay way too much or way too little for a guitar. There's only two kind of deal. There's only two kinds of sales when it comes to left-handed guitars. You're top of the end of the price or a steal. So it's because, you know, there's no, there's no lefties buying right that day or the only three that are buying are buying them up. I kind of said that like mean, right? Three. There's more than three left-handed people. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen them. On that note, thank you guys. Everyone hang out. I think we hit 800 and some people, which is always awesome. It's crazy amount of guitar players to hang out. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. I have wine and cheese in my future, so I'm going to have a great weekend. And uh, until next week, uh, I'm going to say uh, thank you for your time and know your gear.